say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Chris Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Welcome in on this Monday. Rolling along. Uh, we're so far into the year now, we actually remember what year it is. Welcome to the uh, full-on week one here in 2023. Here with you all week long. Lots of hoops to talk today. Recapping uh, Virginia. The seed at the Bills game yesterday. Like, yeah, they played a whole game, but who needs more than the first play when the first play is what it was yesterday with the Naheem Hyde's kickoff return uh, for a touchdown. We'll get into that. Heather Prusak of the CBS station in Buffalo joining us at 3 o'clock to talk about the Bills. Uh, producer Josh, he'll be here in the 4-1 and in the 3-1-5. He was at the game. How about that? So was Steve last hour. He was, uh, who, maybe it was just me. Was I the only one not at the game? Your calls if you were not at the game yesterday. What were you doing? But that was some wild stuff. Uh, Red Autry scheduled to join us at 2.30 today talking Syracuse Hoops. Red will be joining us uh Every Monday on the program from uh, here on out in the basketball season at 2.30. So always good to uh, chat with Red, and we'll do that at 2.30. And uh, Red's visits, as always, are brought to us by Apex Entertainment and 110 Grill, both, which you can find in Destiny, USA. So Red coming up at 2.30. Heather at 3 o'clock for Bills. We'll recap our picks from last week. Uh, Just for the sake of honesty. Uh, we, we like to go back and look at him. Not this week. We don't actually like to look at him. Uh, once again, not great. Though Mario's got a chance for a, a north of 500 week if uh, Georgia covers uh, tonight. But we'll get into that uh, later on this hour as uh, we uh, work our way into the week. You know, the, the show begins every day with the Open, and the last call there is the uh, title-winning goal from the 2009 National Championship uh, lacrosse game. I may have to go uh, deep into the archive somewhere and, Find out when Mike Powell's upside down in the Dome against UMass way back in 2004. Because Mike is going to be the second all-time Syracuse lacrosse player to have his jersey retired in the Dome. Coming up this spring against Hopkins, Gary Gate, number 22 last year. Mike Powell, number 22 this year. So that's pretty cool. Good for Mike. We're, we're efforting Mike. Sometimes Mike's hard to find. He's out in the woods. He's playing music. He's like in a stream. Just never know where Mike's where Mike's at, but you know, just to and once they started retiring lacrosse uniforms, it was obvious that you know at some point all of the Gates and all of the Powells will have their uh, various twenty twos and uh, the nineteen of Paul up there. Ryan also wore number one for two years when Casey was still there, but uh, I'd imagine they'd hang a twenty two for him when it becomes uh, that time, but. I, I have said this before, and I will say this again on the day when uh, Mike Powell news like this comes out. I I have never covered a more electric athlete in his sport than Mike Powell. Never. And it's not remotely close. Like, Carmelo's great and stuff like that, but, you know, we, we've covered great basketball players. The, the gap between Mike and the, the rest of them, it's unbelievable. Especially for a guy, if you were to walk past him on the street, you wouldn't think in any world that you're walking past a great athlete. He's 5'10", maybe. 
looks just like kind of a normal guy. And then steps foot on the field and did what he did for four years here. I And, you know, if we get to talk to him at some point, I, I, I've been wondering this about, you know, him specifically. And I, I'd say it really only applies to him. Now that the PLL is up and running and pro lacrosse is a thing in a way that it was not when uh, Mike was coming out of school, even though the MLL did exist at the time. Like if Mike was 15 years younger, like, would he would he be the face of that league on ESPN every week? I I'd imagine so. You never know with Mike's. And again, it's Mike specifically. It's not an age uh, thing. Like his brothers played polo lacrosse for years and years and years. But Mike has so many varied interests in music and all this stuff. I, I'd always be intrigued. Like back then, it just there wasn't the money in it. There wasn't there wasn't all that stuff. The apex of his career was on Memorial Day in 2004. And all the lacrosse he played after that was kind of, you know, a just for kicks bonus. But now that there's, you know, a real league with, I want to say, you know, realer money anyway. But that's just a, a thought for now and we'll table that discussion for another day. But congrats to Mike. His uh, jersey will be officially retired when Syracuse plays Hopkins uh, in March in the Dome uh, this year. Lacrosse jersey 2 on the list, but my goodness, like, and I don't care. There, there's a lot of great lacrosse players. Lyle Thompson uh, right now is probably the, the greatest player currently walking the earth. If I'm taking one player in one game of anyone that I've ever seen play the sport, I am taking Mike, and I'm not thinking about it for uh, the rest of the first second, much less the second second. My main caveat being that I did not see Gary Gate play live in his prime. My only caveat being that I did not see Gary Gate play live in his prime. I'm taking Mike, and I'm not thinking anything about it. Because as flashy as the dude was, oh, man, he's flashy. Yeah, but he was also nuts and bolts, the best guy I've ever seen, too. Like He, he did all the uh, technical lacrosse stuff better than anybody else. Uh, plus, he did the highlights better than everybody else. What a player. What a player. What an electric. I mean, he was just showman, and he was gritty, and the the whole thing. We, took, we could talk about him for hours and hours. Like, you, you watched him play, you remember it. That's the best thing I can say about the lacrosse game of Mike Powell. But uh, the next official Syracuse uh, jersey of any sport uh, to be announced to be retired is uh, Mike Powell. Uh, coming up, obviously, uh, Jerry and Hack uh, were announced uh, earlier. They'll be uh, That game is before the Hopkins game and to the basketball season. So those are some those are some pretty good names all going up within a few weeks of each other with Jerry Heck and uh, Mike Powell all going up to the roof of the dome coming up uh, you know in a few weeks time in a couple of months time. And we'll talk more about that when we get closer. But uh, today we're going to start with basketball. And you know I I said on Friday that hey if the score was 68-62 so that's a six-point margin. The score ended up being 73-66, seven-point margin, give or take the same thing. And on Friday, I said if it's 68-62 Virginia or if it's 68-62 Syracuse, I'd say the main takeaway I'd probably have out of that game is that, oh, okay, Syracuse can play with Virginia. Great. And now it was 73-66. So instead of a six-point game, it was a seven-point game. And, yeah, not the takeaway. That was not the takeaway from Saturday, was it? Because the yards were down by 23, 22 a few minutes after that. 
They were down by 23 early in the second half, 22 with about 11 and a half minutes to go. Virginia did not make a field goal for the next nine minutes, and yet, even though it got to seven, did you ever feel like Syracuse had a chance to win the game? Did you ever feel at any point during the comeback that Syracuse had a chance to win the game? It was more just like, huh, the margin's getting closer. Look at that. And the game's over. Like, I don't think, you know, in a comeback, the, the Pittsburgh comeback a couple weeks ago, and obviously they got a lot closer. There were points in that comeback. I'm like, I think Syracuse has a chance to win this game. They were down by 20. I think they have a chance to win the game. This was more like, huh, it's down to 18. Down to 15. That's kind of interesting. Down to 10. Well, look at that. Now it's 8. Huh. And the game's over. I never actually thought Syracuse had a chance to win the game. It was kind of a weird feeling to watch. Because when you're down... By 10 against Virginia, it feels like 20. When you're down by 20 against Virginia, it feels like infinity. <laughs> it feels like some kind of impossible number uh, that one can't even possibly fathom of how many you're down. And I will get full credit to the Arch for not, you know, licking the stamps and mailing the thing in. Do you lick stamps anymore for not applying the stamps and mailing the thing in? Full credit for that. But Virginia... They are not a they're they're an efficiency team. They're not a volume team. They there's just not a lot of stuff that happens in a Virginia game because of the pace they play and the whole thing. So Virginia's a, a you know they're a high percentage team. They are not a high volume team. Virginia came into the game averaging a little bit more than seven made threes per game. They had six halfway through the opening half, which was when efficiency is gone to the all the way max. The volume is forced to follow it. And it, it just felt like the way the game went, like even at the end of the first half, like you're down you're down 15, it gets down to what, nine at the half? And it, it was another one of those things I'm like, well, I, I guess that's interesting. You know, in other games, if you were down 15 and got it to nine at the half, you'd say, okay, single digits, halftime, finally found a little something there in the last minute. Let's see if they can keep it going into the second half. Well, it's against Virginia. And this is not to say Virginia is better than those other teams. It's just the way they play. They squeeze you like a snake. That, man, 15 feels like 30, and then you got it down to 9. You're like, well, okay, 9, but 9 against them still feels like 18. And then you don't score for the first four minutes of the second half, and the game is over, despite the rally. Which, all right, that happens against Virginia. Unfortunately, it's the context of the season. If you're still trying to think, you know, big picture, can this team do something, tournament, any of that stuff. And it's too early to completely have eliminated those thoughts, for sure. But if you're still stinking stuff like that, of course, was at Virginia a must win? No. But it was one of your biggest opportunities in ACC play due to location, on the road and opponent, Virginia. It was one of your biggest combinations of opportunity for a Bing with him on the year. So that goes by the boards. No Benny Williams during the game. He was sick. He was there, but he was sick. So, you know, the, the roller coaster, and you know, people people get sick. That's what happens. When you get sick, you don't play. Okay, but whatever. That's fine. Uh but the the Benny roller coaster, it just keeps uh, it keeps right on going, does it not? 
Uh, Gerard and Judah were fine. They combined for 37, but the Orange just didn't really get a lot of offense uh, outside those two. And uh, Jesse really struggled offensively. And Virginia, the best I can tell, and we can ask Red about this at 2.30, Virginia blitzed Jesse with multiple defenders. It felt like, to me anyway, more aggressively than any team I've seen do so this season. And boy, did it have a significant effect. Because Jesse couldn't make a bucket. He only had four points, and one of them came early on kind of a trick shot almost. Did have 10 rebounds. But it didn't seem like Jesse had plan B. It didn't seem like, okay, double team's coming. Here's where I'm going with the ball. So I'll be intrigued to see, okay, in that scenario, should it occur in the future? And now, now that it's on tape, why should it occur in the future? When it occurs in the future, what are you going to do? The forwards again, roll with bowl. John Bolajak got the start, first of his career. Played the first four minutes, and that was that. Malik Brown came off the bench uh, near home for him, not as near as Justin Taylor's from Charlottesville, but uh, Malik's from Virginia, not that far from there. So he played the, the next 36 minutes and acquitted himself quite well. Ten points and eight rebounds in a career-high 36 minutes, and then uh, the small forward uh, thing continues. They scored this game. Bell and Taylor combined for 15 points, so you'll take that, certainly. But just the two rebounds, that is a uh, a season-long uh, thing that does not appear like it uh, has any light at the end of the tunnel uh, at this point. Something else we can talk to Red about coming up at uh, 2.30 on the show today. So uh, we'll see how the Orange can move past this one when you've got two home games coming up this week. Notre Dame is on Saturday. Now, Notre Dame is really struggling. That's the team you've already beaten, and now you get them on your home court, albeit it came down to literally uh, the final seconds of the game in South Bend. So the Orange cannot go into this game Saturday saying it's a sure thing. And then before that, Virginia Tech, news on Virginia Tech is that Hunter Couture, one of their many, many shooters, is uh, doubtful is the wrong, uh, day-to-day, questionable. They don't know if he's going to be good to go um, for the game on Wednesday night. He's a bit banged up, but uh, he he's made some shots now in the dome. Uh, Virginia Tech has come into the dome of late, and the ball goes in the hoop, and it goes into the hoop from a long way away. So this is going to be another game in which the Orange's uh, defense is tested by a very good three-point shooting team. And unlike Virginia, Virginia's a very good three-point shooting team percentage-wise, and they showed that certainly on Saturday. Uh, Virginia Tech is uh, both a volume and percentage three-point shooting team. So if you don't have your rotation buttoned up in the zone against them on Wednesday night, look out. With or without Couture. Now, with Couture, it's uh, look out and then look out some more. Because that dude's not afraid to get it up and get it up from uh, wherever. But that kind of goes without saying. Like, if you are on the floor for Virginia Tech, more likely than not, uh, you have the green light from outside the three-point line. You more likely have the light, green light from outside the three-point line if you play for Virginia Tech than you do from inside the, th- the three-point line is the way they play. Justin Mutz can get it done inside, but uh, Virginia Tech, they, they will gun it from the outside now, and they've been off to a weird uh, start. Dropped a bunch of games in a row, three in a row, to start 2023s. Tail end of 2022-2023, you know, in the ACC play. So uh, we'll see where they are at coming up on uh, Wednesday. But it just kind of went as expected, didn't it, against Virginia on Saturday? And that's what, I don't want to say it's disappointing, but it's you play Virginia. In the games where it goes wrong against Virginia, it very often goes wrong like that. Like they suffocate you on defense early, 
You give up a few shots, you get into a hole, and a hole against them just feels deeper than the same-sized hole against other teams. And while the Orange fought valiantly down the stretch, it was uh, too late. I will say it was too little. They played well the last 10 minutes, but 30 minutes versus 10, the advantage is going to go to 30. And that is what happened more than anything else on uh, Saturday at John Paul Jones Arena. So the Orange fall to Virginia, absorbing their second Big East loss, and now a big stretch here, a couple of home games in a row before you got a bunch on the road coming up, including a big Monday at Miami. So you got that home road turnaround and the longest trip in the league going down to Miami. So th- this is a big week. This is a very big week. Can the Orange stay on a path to have thoughts about what you want to think about in the future? Neither game is a gimme this week, but if the Orange want to stay on that path, all right, the path is there. Home court, Virginia Tech, home court, Notre Dame, go win these games. Must wins? No. But if you want to stay on the path so you don't have to do something crazy at the end of the line, okay, here's what you got. And can you go with him? So that's what's coming up. We'll take a break right now. Scheduled to be joined by Adrian Autry, as we will be scheduled to be joined by him every Monday at 2.30 from here on out. Brought to you by Apex Entertainment and the One Kit 10 Grill, both at Destiny USA. But before we get to Red, we'll hear a little bit from the Hall of Famer. A little Jim Beheim sound from the weekend when we come back right here at SkewSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. All I am is a man. I want the world in my hands. I hate the beach, but I stand in California with my toes. All right, roll along. Uh, we, we were busy Googling things during the break. We'll tell you about that in a second. Lots of important Googling going on during the break. There's always important Googling. Roll along here on the 315. Brian Higgins along with you. We're about to have Josh with us, but Josh, he's not allowed to talk on the show until we play the Open. It's it's in the bylaws of the show. I don't know who wrote it, but we got to do it. So here's this. Here's the 411. Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press 1. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. In the 315. And so you're going to be doing that all week, right? Nah. Oh, yeah. It's time for the 411 in the 315. All right. uh, Usually in this segment, Josh or Matt or whomever comes in and tells me what's going on, and then we discuss. Um, But uh, I'll just tell Josh what's going on. You know what's going on. You were at the game yesterday. I was. Yeah. So you had a you had a last minute ish ticket purchase that we were chatting about on Saturday. Went to the game yesterday. All right. Um, so you're like, well, it's going to be an experience one way or another. Right. Uh, it's a good one. It must have all happened. I mean, the opening kickoff. What what was that like? Pre-game ceremony, opening kickoff, like that that whole chunk of stuff. Yeah. So pre-game was obviously a very emotional pre-game ceremony for sure. It was really cool to be in the stadium and experience that and. The whole crowd going crazy, obviously, for the training staff and all that was really, really cool to see. But had a great view of the opening kickoff just from off top. He kind of saw him get the egg well before he even got there. 
and you saw, I don't remember who it was for New England, but there was one guy he really had to beat, and he just got there and mm-hmm. kind of went around it. It was and, not Nick Folk. Nick Folk was closest, right. but he, he was running at an extremely slow right. level. It, it was the guy right before Nick Folk. Yeah. I forget who it was, but you saw him really get that edge, and I saw it open when he was probably at like the 10, 15-yard line. Even. Okay. So if he really bounced it up top and got there, it was gone, and I mean... That speed was crazy, and he did it again too. Uh, he, he he did do it again, just for good measure. And I said this before: they, you know, the advanced metric things and how fast they're running. They say literally in his entire NFL career, uh, that is the fastest that Naheem Hines has ever run on a play. So I did not hear that. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, that you know, that's the advanced stats, whatever the heck they call it. But uh, yeah, he it was twenty-one point something miles an hour or something like that. That's very fast to be running, uh, especially over a long. Uh, distance. So, have you ever been at a game that's had something? I mean, like a, a moment, like like the stadium shaking or whatever, like it was at that moment. Not quite. The only thing that comes to mind that I could even slightly compare it to is 2017 World Baseball Classic when I saw you love that Jones. World Baseball. I, Classic. I will remember that moment for the rest of my life when Adam Jones made that home run robbery against Manny Machado. That's the only thing that I could even possibly Was the stadium it to. shaking? Stadium was shaking okay. for that one. It was pretty crazy. This was better. Though. Okay, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, less emotion involved in the right. World Baseball Classic, I, I think, than that. So, you know, we were just talking to Heather about if she had any inside deets on where a Kansas City Buffalo, and we are, we're nine steps ahead of ourselves. The Bengals are like, you, Joe Burrow's listening right now and pissed off. Like He's like, you yeah. stop talking about this. I'm, I'm beating all of these teams. And that's why Joe Burrow's great. We love Joe Burrow. But if this happens, uh, we've just determined uh, that Chicago is almost almost e- right. It's about the almost middle. equidistant driving for Kansas City and Buffalo. I think that's going to end up being a good option. Yeah, I would, it's not indoors. It's very outdoors. But I think it's this, very cold. It's very cold. I think this game should be outdoors. I agree. Yeah. I also still think Lambo would be awesome. Would be cool. Lambo might also be equidistant. Just a little bit further for both. More googling. Yeah, we'll do a little more in the break. We, well, we can do it right now. Uh, we we can Google and talk at the same time, right? Um, that's uh, I think we can. Yeah, Green Green Bay, Wisconsin. If I say it louder, it works better. All right, what do you got from uh, Kansas City to Green Bay? Nine hours and fourteen minutes. So I knew it'd be four. Uh, Eleven hours and eighteen minutes. So that's uh, still just. About you got to do a lot more north. There's right. a lake in the way. There's a whole thing. I didn't realize how far north of uh, Milwaukee Green Bay was. Yeah, it gets up there. So Chicago probably makes more sense. Um, which Lambo means, would be a cooler environment. Which though, means think. it's going to sadly end up in just an antiseptic dome in Detroit. Um, no, they already said they won't do Detroit. Detroit's out. Yeah, Good. they're doing something in the field. I don't remember what. I don't, know, I don't care. Good. Be out. Uh-huh. I, I loved Detroit last night. That was good, clean fun up in, you know where? Green Bay. Because it's, it's more fun if it's in Green Bay. Yeah. When but, do we think they're going to announce where the neutral location would be, though? Are they just going to wait until they know that they need it? Like, they're going to have to actually know the answer before then. Like they're gonna have but to, are they going to publicize the answer? I, I, I think I, I think they're going to try not to. Right. Because of the, the for the sake of the Bengals specifically. Because <laughs> that's just like, I mean, you could just go slap Joe Burrow in the face and it would probably be less insulting. They're like, Joe's plan is they're going to beat the Ravens this week and go to Buffalo. And he's like, yeah, that was bad stuff last week, but we were going to beat him and here's that. Mm-hmm. That's his plan. His answer yesterday when asked about how long their playoff window is going to be open, he's like, as long as I, or their Super Bowl window, it's like, as Great long quote. as I'm playing. Great like, quote. ah, he's the best. So are we fully in agreement that there's only three teams with a chance of coming out of the AFC? Um, I think those are the three best teams in the league. In the league? Yes. 
I think those are the three best teams. Okay. In the league. I would throw San Francisco. I'll, in I'll there, toss the Niners. The Niners and the Eagles would be. Pro- I mean, add in the Niners and the Eagles as the five best teams in the league. Um, I I take any of those three due to quarterback. Yes. And due to quarterback and rest of the roster, the Niners maybe have the best rest of the roster. They're starting the last pick of the draft. Mm. That might bite you in the butt at some point in the playoffs. And the Eagles just haven't shown it yet in the playoffs. Yeah. Give me give me Burrow. Give me Allen. Give me Mahomes. Fair. I'll figure the rest out. Can't fight that one. No, I'll figure the rest out. I feel good about that. The AFC quarterbacks are great. What's going to be crazy, though, is the fact that Josh Allen's going to be playing Joe Burrow in the playoffs, likely. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself yet, but it's looking like those like, are two if, big If either favorites. of those teams lose this week, I, I, I'd i say that the Bengals are maybe more likely to lose. Like, okay. To, so Lamar, well, the other thing about so that. Lamar Jackson's back. Like, clearly, the, the Ravens were holding everything back this week. John Harbaugh's a great coach. Maybe they come up with some kooky game plan. They get something going weird early and just can fend them off and, and they bleed the clock and they win They win it like 17 to 15 in some, right. some really stupid game. My other thought with these two games that's interesting, though, and you can tell me if you think I'm crazy here, but the fact that they put that game on, what is it, Sunday night's that Ravens game, I believe? Yeah, I found that interesting. Then, that was the Sunday night game. And then the Bills game is at 1 o'clock Sunday. Right. To me... That shows that the NFL believes Lamar Jackson will be playing and Tua will not be playing. Uh, I, I think I think it shows the NFL thinks Lamar's playing. I don't yes. know it's less about the other point, but like if Lamar's not playing that game, they have uh, they have erred in which game to put on Sunday. But I think <laughs> if Tua is playing, they put the Bills game on Saturday night and put the Jags in that Sunday slot. I I really I, I think I'm gonna hit do something on this later this week. I really like this Jags Chargers game. It's gonna be like, fun. It's the stupidest game. Nobody it's cares so about dumb. that game. But Al, I think Al Michaels is on it. Uh, Someone has to win it. Some, even though it, both it these could, teams it could, like it can't it could win go playoff like thirty six thirty three. It could go thirteen ten. It could. It's got your two next young star quarterbacks in uh, Lawrence and Herbert. Yeah, I'm all in on that game. Someone's got to win it on, on that game. Not mattering at all. Like next week, but oh yeah, yeah. But that game, that game is my game of the week for fun. How assuming the Bills and. The Bengals both win. Yeah. How many points is Kansas City going to be giving to either of those teams? Oh, it's going to be stupid. And then you take the other team to cover because the, the Chiefs will do one of those. Oh, no, we're down by 20. Oops. And still and win then, by four. Yeah, hey, we won. And that's why Patrick Mahomes is the best. Yep. All right. That, I think, uh, anything else? I think we've covered it. I think we've covered it pretty good for the bunch of stuff that, like, none of it's actually happening this week. It's fine. We're getting yeah. excited. Playoffs. Yeah. Let's go. All right. So, uh, Josh will be buying a ticket and driving to Chicago the uh, midway point between Buffalo and uh, Kansas City. We didn't do Chicago to Syracuse, though. No. I'd assume it's just an extra two hours. There's no way cutting around Buffalo. No, if, you, if you're going to drive to Chicago from Syracuse, you you just you go, go on 90. Buffalo. Yeah, Right. That's how, okay. you, that's how you go. So we said, what, 10 hours? I'll do uh, it. Yeah, well, it's um, no, it's Detroit that would be potentially faster going through Canada. You're not doing, you're not doing Chicago faster through Canada due to it being at the bottom of Lake Michigan. You'd have a whole lake in the way. That would be a That's problem. Tough. It's possible the Canada Loop does pop up faster, depending. But you'd have to you'd make sure you have your passport and uh, figure out your kilometers per hour. But We'll look into it. Let's get to the AFC title game first. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff coming forward. It's fun to be talking football again <laughs> after, uh, you know, thank goodness uh, DeMar's out of the hospital and uh, back in Buffalo uh, right now. That is our 411 here in the 315. We're going to review our picks from last week. Uh, Ma- Mario, Mario's got a chance for a winning week, folks. He's got a chance for a winning week. We'll tell you about that when we come back. That's right after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. 
Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here we are rolling along. Uh, for those of you not watching on uh, QSportsTalk.com, uh, Jordan has proclaimed it too early for Valentine's Day. We're already swimming in Valentine's Day candy here at the office. We don't like in candy around these parts. It's a candy-heavy operation we got going here. That's how we make it through the day. Chocolate. And other assorted items. Anyway, we're rolling along here on a Monday. We talked a lot of basketball, talked a lot of NFL. Uh, we we got to do this, though. It, it's required, again, much like we got to play the the open for the 411 before Josh is allowed to talk. Uh, you know, we give out the picks during the week. We, we got to go back and recap them, good, bad, and otherwise. Uh, this week, well, we, we had one uh, not so good and one that has prospects going into tonight. We got prospects. Here's how the week went. I want to be a billionaire. What do the man sort of know? This is fantastic. How full was the six-pack? I say, oh, last that full kind of guy. Remember, the results were not guaranteed. No backsies. Here's last week's picks. Alright, um, it was, um, it was a rough one for the man who sort of knows. It turns out this week, did not know. Did not know. Rough week for the man that sort of knows. And it, it started in all places of not knowing out in lovely Hawaii. What a terrible place to let you down, lovely Hawaii. And it was the Tournament of Champions starting the golf season. John Rahm is out there. John Rahm is the best player on this course in the world every year. John Rahm always breaks 67 on this course. Always. His over-under in round two was 67 and a half strokes on Friday. How many did he take? 71. It's a par 73 course. Um, how many did he take the rest of the tournament? A lot less. He was under the number every other round of the tournament. Came back from uh, many, many down yesterday to beat Morikawa. I think he shot nine under yesterday uh, to win the whole freaking thing. Uh, so the round that the man that sort of knows bet on was the one stinker uh, for John Rahm last Friday. Uh, this was going to be tricky to predict. Also last Friday, it was the Hornets and the Bucks, And the Hornets give up rebounds to opposing team centers, as we have discussed. And they give up many. Uh, the opposing team center in that game was Brooke Lopez, who was coming off a career-high 19-rebound game. Now, the worry in a Bucks hornets game is that the Bucks will be blowing them out so bad they don't play their starters. But if you're blowing them out so bad, you got stats. What happened was the Hornets missed all of the shots. I mean, made all of the shots. If they'd missed all the shots, he might have got it. So Brooke Lopez ended up with four rebounds, barely played in the second half because the Bucks just got destroyed in the game. So that was the opposite of how you get to that. The man that sort of knows that the Bucks team total over 17.5 points against the Falcons. Uh, Todd Bowles said they'd play their starters, and they did for a bit. Uh, the team total was 17.5 points. How many points did the Bucks score? 17. 17 in the 30-17 loss to the Falcons. That's not enough. The man that sort of knows that the Vikings covering the 7.5 against the Bears they did with ease, winning by uh, 16. There was a loss on... Both tight ends going over in their yardage. Evan Engram did not go over 46.5 yards for the Jaguars. And it was a compelling game. It was a weird, compelling game against the Titans on Saturday night. He had four catches for 27 yards. Hayden Hurst, the Bengals tight end, did not go over 29.5 yards against the Ravens. He had four catches for 14 yards. A 1-5 in five week 
for the man that sort of knows. That one kind of came out of left field. So a tough week there. Uh, the Saco six-pack, though, we have alert the masses. We have a chance for a winning week. Mario has a chance for a winning week. He had the Bengals covering 9.5 against the Ravens. They won by 11. He had the Steelers covering 2.5 against the Browns. They won by 14. Had that division on lock. Had the Panthers, 3.5-point dogs at the Saints. They won it by 3 at a walk-off field goal. There's three wins. The Seahawks needed them to cover six of the Rams. They won the game, but in overtime by a field goal. That's a loss. And in Maction basketball version last Friday night, he had Akron as two-and-a-half-point dogs at Ball State last Friday night, but they lost by seven. So Mario right now, it's a six-pack, mind you. That's five. Where's the sixth? He went three and two over the weekend. He is on the national title game tonight. He got in on Georgia when they were 12-and-a-half-point favorites last Friday. That number has crept back up to 13 or 13 and a half. But Mario's locked in on 12 and a half. If Georgia covers that, Mario, alert the presses, will have a winning week. A winning week for the Saco Six-Pack. So root for Georgia to cover tonight and get Mario a winning week. That was a picks given out right after he gave Jordan birthday cake last Friday. So that's birthday cake karma. So Georgia's got a Come through and cover on that. That's going to be an interesting game tonight. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the spreads are on two touchdowns. TCU has been playing over their skis all year. Georgia has been Georgia all year. They haven't lost. They lost just the one game last year. The only game they lost last year was the SEC title game to Alabama and then came back and avenged it in the national championship game. Stetson Bennett has lost just three games as a starter his entire collegiate career. Has a chance to go out. Stetson Bennett is a back-to-back national championship winning quarterback. Nobody's won back-to-back natties since Alabama a decade ago. Can Georgia get it done? Or does this TCU magical horn frog thing keep on going? Can it possibly keep on going yet again? It's going to be interesting because, you know, I can see all the scenarios. And you look at the spread. When the spread's close to two touchdowns, that reads blowout. You know, you think of NFL, that reads blah. In this game, there's so much talk about Georgia's defense, and their defense is great, but it hasn't been infallible recently. Like, they gave up a lot to Ohio State last time out. All right, if Max Duggan is slinging it a little bit, that TCU defense makes a play or two, like, you could talk me into this being a close game down to the wire. Can also see Georgia coming out. You know, their running backs are very, very fast. Their tight ends are very large and mean. I can see him just cramming it down TCU's throat and grinding it into the dust. You know, stars matter. Georgia's whole team is four and five stars. TCU's team is mostly three stars. It's going to be interesting tonight. College football national championship game tonight kicking off. uh, I think it's around 830 or so. That's tough. These Monday night college football title games, I get it. I understand why the games end up on Mondays. It's your best chance for ratings. The NFL's got the weekend locked down at this time of the year. I, I get why that occurs. But, man, the, these games, they, they keep starting late enough that these college games, they take forever. These, these college football national championship games, they end too late for us East Coast types. That is my... That's my old man complaint for right now. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, they, these are things that. All right, let's can can we figure out a way that we're um, 
that we're going into the final few minutes around 11? Can we figure that out? The NFL's got that pretty locked down. Like last night's game, coming down to the wire, Aaron Rodgers. Let Aaron Rodgers' watch retirement watch begin for the 78th consecutive season. I don't know if we watched uh, the first episode of Randall Cobb is retiring last night or the, the 78th episode of the terrible show that you can't stop watching. Is Aaron Rodgers retiring when he was slowly, ever so slowly, trotting off the field last night at Lambeau? But, man, they had that thing in like the final little tiny segment of the game just past 11. You're like, all right, here we go. Tonight, they're going to be like the third quarter. You're like, oh, here we go. But tis the college football national championship game uh, tonight. Didn't really get into it today. I think we'll uh, delve into this more tomorrow. Deuce Chestnut is signed with LSU, so he's bidding to be in the college football national championship game next year. Is there a world in a world where two Syracuse transfers are competing against each other for the national championship? It's Deuce versus Jihad. It's LSU. It's Ohio State. The national championship is next. Is that next year? Like, that is not a crazy sentence anymore. Not a crazy sentence anymore. All right, we'll take a final break, come back, wrap it up, tell you what's on tap tonight, and put a cap on it here today on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.